sin alone in a hopeless A child of life that worked condemned in darkness Your mercy brought new life and in your loving kindness raised me up with Christ and made me righteous
Hun kom fejs Hun lover i tvivl er holy Hun lover i tvivl er holy We will sing out
need I snow no either found I know nothing but the blood of Jesus nothing but the blood of Jesus it's nothing but the blood that was such an awesome time of worship, but we want to continue in our worship this morning through giving. We try to make that as easy as possible for you here. So you can either go to our website or our mobile app to give. It's time to jump into the Word with Pastor Mike. We're really excited to hear what he has to say, so let's head on over. Hey, welcome back to Mission Vale Christian Church. I'm so glad we could hang out together around the Word. God has definitely put a message on my heart through the Word. And we've been going through the last couple of months the books of uh, First and Second Thessalonians. We happen to be in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be uh, just kind of winding down the letter here with the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, who was the author of this letter. Now, sometimes I think maybe, maybe you're watching this for the first time. Maybe um, you're listening to this by podcast and... I just um, want to kind of give us a reminder here that I think often when we think of the Bible and we think of Bible letters, we think of these guys as absolutely have it all together. Um, they are like super believers. They are always walking in tune with the Lord. And that's certainly not so. God always picked people that needed total dependence on Him. He, in fact, picked people that He used throughout the entire Bible who didn't have it all together. And, but they had a deep need for God and they knew that and they were in a humble place to listen to God. And so the Apostle Paul is definitely a great example of that. I mean, this guy had everything according to the world and God stopped him right in his tracks, literally as he was on his way to um, persecute Christian people. He wanted to do away with Christianity and God stops him with his loving kindness and forgiveness. And uh, basically on this road to Damascus, he stops him and says, Paul, man, I want you to follow me, and the rest is kind of history. So Paul's basic mission now is he was on these journeys, many different journeys, and the Holy Spirit led him to these different cities, and he would find certain people that he could just be directed by God to see that they needed the Lord. And this particular city in Thessalonica, he went right into the city, he got right to work through loving the people there, sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ, and not only that, but he raised up leaders within like three weeks. It's, it's crazy. Three weeks, he established a church here in the city, and the church explodes. Now, this particular church here, like many churches in the New Testament, this church was absolutely spot on. There's not a lot of correction in this letter because they were focused. They, keep their head, they kept their head about them. They were people of prayer. They were people of love. And best of all, most of all, they shared the good news. In fact, the word was getting out that this church is an on-fire crazy good church because they were absolutely in obedience to Christ. So we're going to start here. The reason I, I bring all that up because in chapter 3 verses 1 to 7, Paul is pouring out his heart that he's needing something from the church. And so here we go. He says, uh, verse 1, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, 
and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. This is just so awesome because we see this guy, Paul, who wrote down these words, and he's really connecting with the people once again through this letter. Hey, look, we need your prayers. We need you. I think sometimes, you know, Christian leaders are um, seen as continually just giving and pouring out, and, and and rightly so, that's what God has called us to do. But there are times that these Christian leaders needed the prayers of the people. I just think this is awesome because it shows um, the Apostle Paul's humility and his dependence totally on God. Now, the reason that Paul in verse 1 asked for prayer, I think because Paul knew the power of prayer. He knew that a praying church was going to be a successful church. A praying church was going to be a faithful church. A praying church was going to be a powerful church. A praying church was going to be an influence in the community because they are so filled with God that nothing would stop them. And that's why he's saying, look, if there's any one thing I would ask of you, he didn't ask for money, he didn't ask for possessions, he didn't ask for status, he didn't ask for anything worldly. All he wanted was for the people to pray for him. And he basically says, pray for us. So the us, if we go back to chapter 1, those who were with him, his companions, his team, was uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So the three of these guys, the three amigos, basically, were on a mission from God. And Paul says, man, we absolutely need your prayers. So pray for us that the message would rapidly spread. Some of your Bible versions may say that. Going back to the Greek word, it really means that the gospel would run quickly running. The gospel would run. The good news would run so fast that it would catch as many people as possible and lives would absolutely be changed. And so he's basically saying, look, the gospel, number one, is so powerful. That's some observation that we see here out of the text. Number two is the gospel spreads rapidly through people. God uses us. He uses you and me to share the great news of Jesus Christ. I just think about the context here at Missionville Christian Church. We have some great pastors with us on staff who are genuine just servants of Christ. They don't ask for much. They are just ready to serve at all costs. In fact, um, I have talked to some of our, our, our team just one-on-one, -on -one, and they have told me with almost like tears in their eyes and just from the heart that if they didn't get one dime, they still would want to do what God has called them to do. They're not doing this for money. They're not doing it for any kind of financial gain. They're not doing it for any reputation other than Christ has called them to serve you here at Missionville Christian Church and to lead you. That's the kind of heart that a pastor wants of his team. He wants or she wants whatever capacity of ministry. And you want a team of people that are absolutely sold out for the gospel. They're not looking for something for themselves. They're not looking to gain anything. They just absolutely love God and love people. One of the things that we ask whenever we hire a new staff here, there's basically one question out of all the questions we ask and out of all the research that we do and resumes and questions and interviews. At the end of the day, one of the most important questions we ask is God in that guy. Is God in that woman? Do you sense that, that God is living? The Holy Spirit is filled, filled that person's heart and they're actually living that way. So Paul is asking for a few things in prayer. Number one, prayer is powerful, and the gospel spreads rapidly through people, people whose hearts are humble and completely surrendered and complete sacrifice to Him. 
And I'm just glad we have a team of pastors here that are completely sold out for the gospel. What does he ask prayer for? Number one is to lead the advancement of the gospel. That's what Paul wants, man. At the end of the day, it's about people knowing Jesus. Number two is stay focused. Number three is to empower the people. And number four, he says really clear, man, there are some wicked, evil people. And we're not talking about just people who who don't know Christ. He's talking about people that are absolutely obstinate and adversarial in complete opposition to the gospel. They are there to harm and hurt the advancement of the gospel. And that's why Paul is saying, look, pray for us that we're delivered from this distraction because we can't let anyone get in the way of what God wants to do. So what we're really talking about here is we want the gospel to run. If you're listening to this and you're a believer in Christ, my prayer for you is that you absolutely want the gospel to run through your life into somebody else's life. And it may not be so much by hearing sermons. It's about seeing a sermon. It's about touching someone's life. It's about serving somebody where they are. It's about making an impact in somebody's life for the good news of Jesus Christ. So he says there in verse 4, man, we know that the Lord is faithful to strengthen, protect you from the evil one. That is so cool because he's reminding us that nothing can touch you. Nothing can harm you. The devil himself, if you're covered with Christ, he is faithful and he will protect you and strengthen your heart. Now, Paul knows the power of prayer and he's saying, look guys, we need prayer too. We've been praying for you, but we need prayer. I want you to turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 4 because I just want to make a reference here that throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, man, when I look at Acts, I see a church that is powerful. Remember, when we're talking church, we're talking people. We're not talking buildings. We're not talking budgets, structures, programming. We're talking about people's lives that have been changed by Jesus Christ and their lives forever, forever will be centered on the gospel. And they know the power of prayer. That's what made the church in the book of Acts, the early church, so powerful. Every time we read page after page after page, I mean, these people were in prayer. They were in prayer together. They were in prayer separately. They were in prayer just in their own life because Jesus so modeled what prayer does. Prayer connects us to God. It brings a greater intimacy to God. It blesses us because we get to hear God's heart and it helps us to refocus on His agenda and not our agenda. Man, I can tell you more than anything else, all we want here. Is, is to do the will of God. And therefore, I must connect with Him so that I can receive the heart He has to do His will and not our own will. And that's what, um, that's what Paul is saying here. So when we look at Acts chapter 4, just go over there with me for a second. I just want to recount something from uh, Peter and John who were in the city of Jerusalem. They healed a guy who was basically lame. He had a busted leg. He heals him right on the spot. A miracle breaks out. People are talking about what happened. I mean, word is now just getting out. And so Peter and John are hauled out in front of the magistrates. And they are questioning, questioning, and questioning. They are grilling these two guys. What makes you think that you could speak on the name of Jesus Christ? I mean, they were just grilling these guys. Healed a man who couldn't walk. So what? Big deal. Many heard. And as a result of this, in the middle of all this questioning, 5,000 people, it says in Acts 4, Catch this. I mean, this is an epic moment. 5,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. The high priest, Caiaphas, Alexander, and his family have surrounded now Peter and John, and they are being grilled because they not only did healing, but they're speaking in the name of Jesus. I love in chapter 4 where it says, and then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, 
as they were commanded to Peter and John, you will not speak in that name anymore. And I love Peter's response, man. We cannot stop. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You know, we have one of our pastors on staff. His name is Zach. He's our student ministries pastor. And we were talking about in one of our prayer meetings um, after it was over. He said, yeah, I'm just hanging out with some guys who I used to go to high school with. And they're not believers, but we're all going on vacation together for a couple of days. And so as he's describing this, he just in his mind and just in his spirit, he said, you know what? I cannot stop talking about Christ. He said, I'm not going to like just say, well, I can't really talk about Christ because I don't want to offend these guys. He says, man, I just... In his spirit, he just made a decision that if he's going to be with these guys, the Christ is going to come up because Christ is my life. Jesus is my whole life. He's changed me. Jesus saved me, saved me from myself. He saved me from my sins. He's forgiven me of all this rotten stuff that I've done, and he put my life on a completely new course. How could I not talk when it's appropriate with someone, not driving it down their throat, but how could I not share the love of Christ with people that I love? And I just love that spirit. And that's what I see here from Peter and John. This is our life. Jesus is our life, man. We got to talk about him. Now, in this fourth chapter, it just goes on and on about Peter and John. And it says, as soon as they got out of prison and as soon as they stopped all the questioning from the religious people, it says they made their way to their people of God. The people that were, watch this now, really want you to see this. They were praying for Peter and John while they were in prison. And here's their prayer. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests, elders had said to them. This is chapter four, verse 24. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together. Now watch this. They raised their voices, not alone, not by themselves, not quietly. They raised together. They were in complete unity. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage? Why do people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Now watch this. This is their prayer. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord. Consider their threats and make it easier for the Christians. And that's not what it says. Make it, make, it, make it simpler for the church. No. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now watch this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Dude, I love this because this is, this is power-packed praying. And, and it wasn't any special words that they were saying. This came, when you read that text, when you read that prayer, man, you can't help but say, these people passionately were going after God in prayer. That's what we need. That's what Paul was saying to the people here. And anything, you know, just anything that the Holy Spirit speaks to us out of this text, it's run, dude. Run to Jesus, run to advance the gospel, and power praying is what makes the gospel run fast into somebody's life. And he says here in verse 4, just to wrap this up, man, we know, we have confidence that he will continue 
to be faithful in verse 4. So here's a couple of questions that I have. If you're watching or listening to this, maybe we can, maybe, maybe it's good for us to kind of do some wrestling here. Number one is, whatever you're facing right now, are you worried about it? Are you stressed about it? I think verse 2 is a good lesson for all of us, man. The Lord is faithful. Number two is this. Do you want the gospel to run in your life? Do you really want the gospel of Jesus Christ to run in your life? And we, when we say the gospel, it's just a simple message that God loves us. We're sinners. He died on the cross because of his love. He forgave us of all of our sins. He wiped the slate clean. He filled us with the Holy Spirit. And he put our life on a whole new course. And now we have this new life through God. And we just want others to know the greatness of Jesus. And here's number three. What sacrifices are you willing to make? You know, when I read about Jesus' life, man, I do, not, I do not see a Jesus that made it easy. That he said, just, you know, come follow a few examples. Come follow a few of these commands and I'll make your life so much better. I see Jesus that's calling us to something great. And the only way to fulfill his command is to completely surrender everything to him. Now, before we jump to any conclusions and finishing this off, um, thinking, well, you know, pastors have it all together. The Apostle Paul had it all together. Paul and si- or Peter and, and John had it all together. Silas and Timothy, not so. Even pastors today, it can seem like, well, those guys, those women, they have it all together. Not necessarily. We are all in this together, man. We are all under the conviction of God. We are all under a place where we just need to surrender and be humble and repent of it. Years ago, there were some neighbors that used to live in our neighborhood down the street. And I just remember, um, I, I kind of observe our, our neighborhood and just with a, a lot of prayer. Well, there was a season of my life where I just kind of stopped uh, praying over my neighborhood. And it wasn't intentional. I just got out of the habit of it. I noticed this one family that lived down and there was a lot of cars that were coming in and out. Come to find out this was a lot of drug dealings, a lot of drug behavior. Um, one of the uh, children had a, a, a child, a little boy out of wedlock, and uh, the kid was just obnoxious. And it was always just bad cops being over at the house. Literally, this one time a SWAT team came on our street, man, just covering this house. It must have been like 25, you know, DEA officers. It was, it was just crazy. In the middle of all this, I'm, my, I'm finding myself saying, why can't these people get it together? What is wrong with them? I can't believe they would live that way. Why would they do this? Why would she do that? I can't believe she would do that. I can't believe she would be, be a good mother. I can't believe this kid's so out of... And I found myself in a place of judgment and a critical spirit and almost a spirit of arrogance. Well, I was, I was praying down in my neighborhood a couple weeks after that, walking my dog and praying one night. And I'm praying for the Lord, bring revival, change lives. Come on, Lord, do something great here in our city. And the Lord spoke to me and said, not in an audible voice, but I just felt in my spirit. He was saying, yeah, you know what, Mike, I would love to do all those things, but let's talk about Kenny. I'm like, what? Yeah, I want to, let's talk about Kenny. Kenny? Yeah, the little boy that you avoid because his life is a mess and his family's a mess and the DEA and drugs and all this stuff. When he comes over to the house, sometimes he'll just, and you are avoiding him. Let's, let's talk about that. And I have to admit that I came to a place where I said, yes, Lord. And then I sensed that God was saying, Kenny needs me. 
and I put you in his path so the gospel would run into his life. I don't, I don't know where this lands this morning, but man, I hope, that, I hope that these words from the Apostle Paul are so encouraging to you and to know that God is faithful. He will never give up on us. He is the perseverer. And, and not only that, but he wants us to power pray, man, the advancement of the good news. I hope this has been helpful for you. Maybe you might want to share this with someone. And just want to remind you, we're always here on Sunday morning at MVCC with our outdoor service um, on uh, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We would love to see you, here, see you here. If we can help you in any way, we're always here on the corner of Geronimo and Marguerite. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time through the good news and through uh, Second Thessalonians. God bless.